Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us on Tragedy Plus Time. Everything's fine. I am your host, Summer Shine. This is a Rogue Media Network production. On this podcast, we're going to explore the deep wounds of tragedy, the way folks just like you survived said tragedy, and the nuances that we reflect on that now make us laugh. We're going to laugh, we're going to cry, and we're going to hear stories of profound survival, even when it didn't seem like it was possible. Sit back, buckle up, and get ready for the ride. guys, it's me, your host, Summer Shine, and in the house today, we have a very good friend of mine, Rachel Craig. Rachel! Hey, Summer. Hi! How are you? I'm great. You're good. You've, you've got a kid sick at home. I do. Were you momming all day? All day, all night. Ooh, all night. All night. 105 strep. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel like one of your kids is always sick. Always. <clears throat> Actually, just this winter they're usually pretty good pretty healthy but, mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's been you, a rough winter you have three kids I do one of which I have a ginormous crush on but he's he, adorable he is 12 or something <laughs> <laughs> it's true summer he's 13 <laughs> sometimes Rachel's like summer you cannot marry my 13 he looks like son. he's 25 but he's he 13. does he is so handsome <laughs> and charming and funny mm-hmm. so three kids a husband 20 years. Yeah. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. That's a long time to be married. It's a really long time. And your sweet little dad's living with you right now. He is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like him. He's a goofy old man. He's 86, but yeah, he's a really, really sweet man. He is a goofy old man. I have a really fun picture of him uh, eating a milkshake and he has <laughs> pink marshmallow in his white beard. Yes. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite things. Yeah. That's my dad. It was super cute. It was super <laughs> cute. Well, I bet your dad's going to be a little bit in this today. I bet he gets a little bit of play in this podcast. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think he will. Um, you know, as you know, tragedy plus time, everything's fine. So we talk about tragedy. We talk about time and we talk about how everything's fine. So Damn. you have a tragedy. I do. A lot of tragedies. Um, So just a little quick recap. There are 21 um, siblings. I have 21 brothers and sisters. 
And that's what I grew up with. My parents had uh, six biological and the rest were adopted. So yeah. 22 and of us. Lots of, I mean, adopted from all walks of life, all capabilities, all abilities, all races. I mean, it's true. It's, everything's represented. It's a true rainbow. It is <laughs> a true rainbow. It's a true rainbow. And, um, you know, so with that in any size of a family, you're going to have your highs and lows and problems and you just keep adding numbers to that family and those highs and lows multiply. It seems like. <clears throat> so my, when I was 12 years old, my parents had adopted a little baby girl named Hannah and this is when we lived in Austin, Texas, and my mom was a labor and delivery nurse at that time. And her biological mother, Hannah's biological mother, um, was on all kinds of drugs. She was addicted to crack and some other really heavy drugs. And my mom was one of the nurses that delivered Hannah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't think I realized that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so Hannah was, you know, immediately taken um, into custody. Out, out of her mother's custody. And sure. <clears throat> she was in critical condition, and so she was in the um, PICU, the pediatric ICU. And my mom and dad, I don't really know the whole story because um, my mom died 20 years ago. But um, from what I can gather from my dad, um, after years later talking through this, trying to figure out the pieces to that story, um. The my mom wanted Hannah to have a home to die in. And so what that tells me is that they knew she was going to pass away. Right. So Okay. And what year is this? I mean. Oh, goodness. <clears throat> 80s? It was early 80s or? Well, I'm 41. So. Me too. 30 years ago. Okay. Yeah. So mid 80s. Mid 80s. Yeah. Okay. I was in the seventh grade. Okay. And so. um after several surgeries, she had to have, so she was hydrocephalic, um, which means she had water in her brain. And so she had to have a shunt and she had a very large head and she had some cardiac issues and just all kinds of um, problems, other organ failures and problems. And was this all due to the drug and alcohol abuse that her mom, you know, from during her pregnancy Yes, from okay. what I understand, it okay. is, yes. So, um, you know, she was not given much time to live, and so my parents wanted um, her to have a home and not just put into a foster mm. home or an orphanage. Um, so or they, hospice. Or, or hospice, yeah. right, that's right. So they adopted her, and they brought her home. Okay. Which is lovely, which is wonderful. And For there's them. so many wonderful things, right. that's right, um, to right. say about that. <clears throat> But there's so many repercussions on all of the other children living in the home. What um, number was she? What number adopted? What a great question. Um, somewhere in maybe the 10th. Okay. Maybe one of the... So there were still 11, 12 kids after this. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I was in the seventh grade. And so my job um, at that time, what my day looked like was I would wake up and then I would go to the living room, which is where Hannah slept. She slept in a, a playpen in the living room. And my job was to feed her breakfast. So she was what was called at that time a vegetable. Um, okay. So she, she did not respond to anything. So um, no facial expressions, no, you know, body movements. Um, but she did, she did, was able to swallow okay. uh, a bottle. So she had some, you know, reflexes that 
still worked. Worked, yeah. So um, my job was to feed her her morning bottle to change her clothes before I got myself ready for school. And then I would um, go to school, and then I'd come home, and then I would um, help cook dinner for the family, and then I would go to gymnastics and then come home, and I would help again with Hannah. That's right. You're a gymnast. Was a gymnast. (laughs) Yes. And so... One morning when Hannah was about six months old, I went to go get to go get her and um, I went to grab her body and I remember how cold she was and I thought, oh, sweet Hannah, you're so cold. And then I went to turn her and she was stiff. So her body had already gone into mm. you know, rigor mortis and oh, man. it was really, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know that at the time I was only 12. So I turn her over all the way in her face like I knew immediately that she was dead. So she had died in her sleep. And so what had happened was she had tried to roll over in the middle of the night and she couldn't. She got stuck and she suffocated. Oh, no. Because her head was so heavy and right. she just couldn't turn it. So um, trauma. Yeah. <laughs> Major trauma for a 12-year-old. That is a big trauma. And you... Your parents hadn't said anything to you. They hadn't said, this child is going to die. I feel like I knew that that was going to happen, which probably means that they did tell us, you yeah. know, that that was coming. But what was so strange was the night before this happened, <clears throat> um, Hannah was responsive. And we have a picture of her. It's the only picture I have of her, actually, where she is sitting up against a pillow and responding and she has this huge smile on her face and she she was blind and so she is um, tracking with her eyes and so she looks like she can see she's making you know infant sounds she's you know cooing she's reaching out like she can see Um, so I just remember I had come home from gymnastics that evening and I remember my parents saying you know there's been a miracle (laughs) oh my gosh and um, so I got to sit in and see some of that before she went to bed that night. So I don't know. It's maybe, wow. maybe not. Uh, it sounds like it, there was a miracle. Right. That she was given a, a chance to see the family that, that loved her before yeah. you know, the Lord took her. So, Wow. Yeah. Oh, that, my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. Really crazy. Yeah. So, but going back to when I found her. So I scream, you know, Hannah's dead, mom, Hannah's dead. And my mom comes rushing and looks and um, I don't remember a whole lot other than I just started throwing up. I do remember that. I just started vomiting. Vomiting is my uh, expression of immediate. Like shock. Shock, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's what I do too. Right. And so I just couldn't stop vomiting. And so, you know, naturally my mom being a nurse had a supply of all kinds of medicines to take care of me. Awesome. So, um, I remember waking up several hours later. So I know she'd given me something to help calm me. Um, and I was laying on the couch and all of these officers came in with black jackets with big red letters that said homicide (gasps) in the back. What? Yeah. So I remember that. There was a homicide investigation? Um, that's, that's what I remember. I remember that. And I remember, um, one of the officers wanting to ask me questions. And uh, my mom was always so afraid of uh, any of us talking to counselors. 
and she could because she was so oh fearful that they would take the kids away. And so she had her own trauma. Right. So I, I just didn't talk about it. I didn't say a word about it to, to the officers. You had kind and, of been trained not mm-hmm, to speak. Not to speak. These people are against you. They are not for us. They're not going to help. Mm-hmm. So don't say anything. Right. Which is really ironic because I married a counselor. And you are a counselor. I see a counselor and I am a counselor. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you were able to break those chains because I feel like in the 80s, especially, there was this shut your mouth, don't tell anybody, they're just going to hurt us. And also that there was a lot of that. There was a lot of ill response to um, mental health issues. And so the fear was real. I mean, mm-hmm. up until the 70s, lobotomies were a thing. I mean, how scary is that? Well, <clears throat> I know that, you know, there's been a lot of research and a lot of methods that that are effective and work now, um, which is one of them called EMDR, which is what yeah. pulled me out of my trauma out of this particular trauma. So how long did it take you to come out of this trauma? I mean, how long did you work on it? How long did you suffer from it? Number mm. one, let's talk about that. That's a great question. So the rest of my life, pretty much um, until about two years ago is my, I was uh, very symptomatic of uh, PTSD. So what that looks like as an adult with children, I'll just fast forward through childhood and okay. Yeah, well, that's what I would immediately go to is think, how do you raise a kid thinking they could try to roll over and die? Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you raise your own children? Were you up every 15 minutes concerned? I mean, I was and I had uh, video monitors in their rooms until Jackson was 10 years old. Oh, gosh, (laughs) sweet Jackson. And I would. Yes, I know. So and I would go in and check on them and to make sure that they were breathing at night three or four times a night. Each of them I'd have to put my hand on their chest to make sure that they were breathing. And I would do that to my husband, Jason, too, just to make sure he was breathing, which he snores now. So there was no question. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) thank God for the snoring. That's right. Um, But it was getting out of control. It was getting to where... um, it really, my a major trigger was being pregnant. So I was pregnant with my third child oh, and yeah. that one really, um, my PTSD really started <clears throat> to cause big problems for me at that time. Yeah. And so that's when I decided to go for more support. Okay. And that's when you got the EMDR. That's when I got the EMDR and that's okay. what changed my life. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad you had that experience with the EMDR. I've heard a lot of people come out of trauma. You're laughing right now. I see you snickering behind the mic because that is not the experience I had with EMDR. That's right. Let's just that's be real. Okay. I had a horrible experience with EMDR. So sorry but that. everybody that I know that's had it seems to think that either I didn't, I didn't do it right. It's probably my fault. But um, I also have uh, I get motion sickness really bad. And oh, it's, girl. And, Me it, too. And, and I did it with the eye movement. I actually did the eye movement and the paddles. And so it it made me sick. It made me motion sick. That's so. awful. Yeah, you get motion sicknesses bad or worse than I Oh, do. severely motion right. sick. Right. Like, I don't get it in airplanes, but you do. I get it everywhere. I get yeah. it watching people swing on the swing. So. <gasps> me too. Mm-hmm. And at movies and aerial yoga. That That's was right. a thing I didn't recognize. I threw up at an aerial yoga class because you swing like this. Yeah. 
If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah. We're buds like that. That would do that. And yeah. I'd be. Mm-mm. I wanted Rachel to be my travel buddy. And then she was like, but I can't get on a plane. And I was like, oh, nix that. Never mind. You have to push me in a stroller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be so medicated. <laughs> I would. I would actually push you in a stroller because I like you that much. I do actually like you that much. So what, what was the thing that you thought would kill you? What was the thing that you thought was going to crush you? But didn't. Well, I think the fear of my children dying mm. just uh, just became so overwhelming and so heavy, yeah. and just so concerned that I could not keep them safe and that they were just going to die. Yeah, I was just gonna I was gonna find them dead, or they're gonna get kidnapped, or something terrible was gonna happen to them. Yeah. So that and it just became unlivable yeah so like an elephant on your chest yes yeah it was awful yeah do did you suffer from postpartum depression at all I did was that part of it did that ramp it up yes mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I believe that I had I had postpartum depression too um and I always you know like I I was this is gonna, here we go again another thing I probably shouldn't say in public but I always had a great sympathy for Andrea Yates do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always had great, if, in case you don't know who that is, listeners, uh, she about uh, 15, 20 years ago drowned all five of her children. Um, she was diagnosed with postpartum depression after the first one, mm-hmm. and they just continued pumping out babies because of religious reasons. That is a case of uh, religious abuse at its finest. So, um, and I never, I was never angry at her. Mm-hmm. I actually have tons of sympathy for her. Yeah, you know, my specialty is maternal mental health. Right. Um, working specifically with. Can we talk about that? Sure. Let's do it. You have an organization. Yes, that is separate. Okay. Um, that okay. organization is called Cradled. So some of the hope that has come through uh, this loss of my baby sister um, is is a Cradled. And so Cradled is 
a nonprofit organization here in Waco, um, and we support families that have lost a baby due to miscarriage, stillbirth, or early infant loss, and okay. families struggling with infertility. And so a big piece of the beginnings of Cradled come from my baby sister, Hannah. Right. So. That's cool. Yeah. And then your, your specific counseling is... Yes, and so separate from Cradled um, is my psychotherapy practice, Waco Professional Counseling, where I work with maternal mental health. Okay. So, okay. you know, it can also be loss, but also PTSD and postpartum, panic yeah. attacks. I wish we talked about postpartum more often because it's scary. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's scary. So I equate it to... Um, what we talk about in our cradled groups is just a silent sorrow. It's a, it's, it's something that, um, women go through and it's silent. It's not talked about and it's very hard. Yeah. And you almost feel guilty because you're supposed to have this, the most joyous moment of your life Mm -hmm. is that second that you're done laboring and this tiny little human being, the thing that you'll love the most in your life, has appeared. Right. And then two days later, you're so depressed you don't even want to look at him. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, that's how I felt. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks it can look different sure. for everybody, but that's a common... Yeah. Well, um, my favorite part of the podcast is uh, the everything's fine <laughs> part of the podcast. <laughs> You know, in every tragedy, there is something, there's a thing that we look back on and we go, this was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. This is hilarious. Um, You know, it's, it's the thing that now I can think about it and laugh. Maybe you didn't laugh at the time, (laughs) but now you look back and you're like, oh yeah, that was funny. Yeah. It's, I'm going to say, the psychotherapist shouldn't say this, but this was crazy. I, <laughs> I know I use the C word a whole lot. And when I'm in the booth with a psychotherapist, I'm like, oh, no, I, I'm used to the C word. Yeah. When I tell you the story, you're going to laugh. <clears throat> okay. So my first child was born. Jackson was born. And that's my <clears throat> boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and we were, uh, I was still in the hospital and I was so afraid that he was going to be stolen from the hospital. So <laughs> because that same weekend, um, there was a baby that was um, snuck out of the hospital. Someone tried to kidnap a baby from Stop. Lubbock. In Lubbock, yes. And what? so, you know, Facebook was still just in its beginnings at this Thanks, time. Thanks, Facebook. <laughs> oh my god! So all these things are going around. <clears throat> anyway, so I was also told when I was admitted that do not let anybody take your baby that's not wearing a purple um, smock. Smock. Yeah. And doesn't have, you know, the hospital badge yeah. with their name on it. And so I'm, you know, one day, less, not even 24 hours after my C-sections, cannot move. I'm in so much pain. I'm so emotional. And my husband went home to take a nap. <gasps> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast, right? Right, right. So my uh, mother-in-law was there helping me. And um, uh, somebody comes in to take my son to go take pictures hospital pictures 
And she does not introduce herself. She's not wearing a purple smock. <laughs> oh, no, she didn't. So, oh, no. So she tries to take Jackson. She tries to wheel him out in the little bassinet. And I am trying so hard to scream as loud as I can. But I can't because I'm in so much pain. Because your diaphragm has just been right. so ripped like, open. <laughs> so I'm pushing on my stomach. And I'm saying, stop. Don't kidnap my baby. Somebody help she's stealing my baby (laughs) and at the same moment jason walks through the door so he had you know come back to the hospital he's like what's happening and i'm like stop her she's stealing my baby (laughs) so sweet jason can we just give jason a little credit here (laughs) i mean this guy this guy he's pretty fantastic he is fantastic yeah. so he was able to diffuse the situation <laughs> <laughs> the sweet nurse i never saw her again of course you didn't and yeah and um nobody stole my baby right there's no hospital pictures of him <laughs> there's no hospital pictures of him but he wasn't stolen <laughs> and so totally stolen. worth it that's right totally worth but it but that is what you know that was a ptsd you know that was Right. A trigger for me. Yeah. Um, really, truly believed in my soul. He was being stolen. <laughs> so. I mean, he is pretty cute. He is pretty cute. But completely irrational. Like, that is not what was happening. Right. Right. You know. But now you're better. Now I'm better. So you're on the other side of this thing. That's a I pretty am. tragic and traumatic event that happened in your life. I feel like some of the most traumatic things that have, that happen in I mean, ongoing, this is a theme that I see as like, junior high is terrible. Oh, gosh. I mean, can right. we just sleep through 12 through 17? I mean. I'm trying. I have a 13-year-old. <laughs> you have a 13-year-old. All his trauma is happening right now. Yeah, I know. Poor just thing. so you know. Um, he showed me a, a little video on my phone recently. Here's another funny example. Um <laughs> I had no idea I did. I made them do this. They were swinging on a tire swing. Him and his little brother, Grant, were swinging on a tire swing in my front yard. And they had helmets on. <laughs> I made them wear bicycle helmets. No, you didn't. I know. I mean, who does that? Because I thought they would fall and get, like, traumatic brain injuries. Concussion. <laughs> concussion. Yeah. Or, honestly, what probably also went through my head was, I just know CPS is going to drive by and see that I'm neglecting my children and not letting, like, completely far-fetched well, and, and irrational. That's also some trauma from your mom. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. your mom saying, you can't trust CPS, you can't trust the police. can't trust you can't anybody. Trust nobody. Yeah. So that's before EMDR. Yeah. <laughs> life before and life after. Shameless plug for oh EMDR. Are you trained? Do you do EMDR? I am trained. Okay. Yes, okay. It was so life changing. I thought, how can I not help others? Give this gift. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually, uh, I, I think it's kind of gotten its legs here in the last three to five years, and a lot of people are doing it. So. Um, I've had recent trauma responses and somebody said, have you thought about EMDR? <laughs> oh, oh, it was you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was you that recommended EMDR. Oops. Um, and I, I think I said, well, I don't want to puke. <laughs> I felt terrible for days. Oh, I think I opened so the box sorry. and then the box mm-hmm. never got shut again. So, um, it's a very somatic experience for yeah, you. Yeah. And I shut boxes with overworking, you know, so I'll just work myself to the bone. Three on the Enneagram. What what number are you? I was about on to say. Enneagram? You gotta take I mean, a guess. <laughs> I mean, 
can we say she's a six? A super six. I wonder like what, if six. I, you know, if I continue, I do continue, by the way, to receive treatment. I um, have an amazing therapist in town. That's awesome. Yeah. That's um, awesome. Anyway, I just feel like maybe my number will change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. Oh, my gosh. I just rolled my eyes so hard in this studio. I just want you guys to know that. So, so there's someone out there right now who is going through this kind of trauma, mm-hmm. specifically finding a child or a baby dead mm-hmm. in their bed. Um, what do you want to tell them? Man. <clears throat> well, I want to validate that, you know, that is probably the most terrifying thing that you'll ever go through. And it is very unlikely that anything like that will ever happen again. Um, but what for me, what I kept hanging on to was, Oh, well, this is going to, you know, this is going to happen again. This has to happen again. Cause after that trauma, there were multiple other traumas. Right. So I just kept waiting for the next, you know, shoe to drop. And is that the right way you say that next shoe to drop? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, the next bad thing to happen. Right. And so, um, <clears throat> really just living in despair and just feeling so sad and not knowing that it could be better. Um, so what I want to say is that, um, to you need to feel the feelings that you're feeling allow yourself to feel them and you have to have an outlet for them because your body will hold on to that trauma if you don't and what that can look like years down the road is not pretty can look like um arthritis (laughs) I mean your cancer cancer I mean mean, your body truly holds trauma and so you've got to provide an outlet for it And so that outlet can look like many different things. It can look like mindfulness meditation. It can look like um, journaling. So, I mean, exercise. exercise. That's one of my favorites. That's my Mm -hmm. fave. Yes. So that's what I want to say is find an outlet, find a safe outlet um, for this and find someone to, to do EMDR with. Yeah. Find a local EMDR trained therapist or certified therapist to work with because there is a light at the end of this. There is. There is. You you had the trauma. Mm-hmm. You've lived through it and you're healthy on this side of it. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, did you know that I love you? I love you too. Oh man. I'm so glad that you came out. You're one of my favorite friends. Uh, ditto. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Thank you. Ciao. Guys, thanks again for listening. You are amazing. This show is nothing without your support. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please hit the subscribe button and show us some love. My name is Summer Shine. You can find me on all the social meds or check out my website at summershinespeaks.com to hear more about what's going on in my world. A huge shout out to Rogue Media Network for all their time, love, and support. Wouldn't even be a thing without these guys. Make sure you check out their other shows and tune in again next week. A special thanks to Fish Hands for our theme music. If you like what you heard, please hop on over to Bandcamp and check out more from them. Remember, your story isn't over yet. You're still here for a reason. This tragedy is just one of the spaces in your life, and there is life on the other side. You'll make it out alive. You know how I know? I did. Peace out. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.